Welcome to the Grant Writing Simplified Podcast. This is the place to learn how to make a big impact in your community through grant writing and nonprofit consulting. The world needs you to step forward as a grant writer and use your skills to lead with confidence. I'm Teresa Huff, former special ed teacher turned grant writer and nonprofit strategist. In my 20 years of freelancing, I've helped nonprofits triple their funding and exponentially increase their reach. Now I'm stepping up to mentor freelancers and nonprofit leaders like you who are ready to take your skills to the next level. It's time to get intentional about your vision so you can create lasting change in your community. Community. Learn the skills and strategies you need to become the grant writer the world needs. Let's do this. Hey friends, welcome back. How are you doing as we're heading into the close of the year? I would love to hear what you're up to and what your final goals are to wrap up 2022. I have had some biggies come up this year, and as you heard me mention last week, my TEDx talk is live. You can watch that on YouTube, where I share about the real ROI of grant writing and my framework for helping nonprofits build their ROI so they can be more competitive with their grant applications. Go check that out, give it a watch and a listen, and share it with your friends, your board members, your colleagues in nonprofit work, and help them understand how we can better position nonprofits to be more competitive, and more importantly, how we can come alongside them to help them and not put stumbling blocks in their path. Okay, I have a special invitation for you. I'm hosting a live event on Wednesday, December 7th, and you can come. It is called Nonprofit Mythbusters, and I'm really excited because this has kind of evolved, and I think we're actually going to end up doing a series of live events that I will keep you posted as we have more dates and topics and special guests. I thought of this idea that stemmed from a LinkedIn conversation that someone posted about the overhead of nonprofits and all the myths surrounding it. So I rounded up several friends who are leaders in the nonprofit space and gathered them and said, hey, let's have a roundtable discussion. And they were all in for it. And we're inviting you to come listen in. You can be a fly on the wall to hear several nonprofit experts discuss this overhead myth and the things we can do about it. So in this series, we are going to bust some nonprofit myths. The first one, like I said, that we're going to tackle is the overhead myth and what it is, how it can damage the sector, and ways we can shift the status quo. I've invited several people that you'll recognize, the CEO of Charity Navigator, the founder of Philanthropforce, a wonderful nonprofit fundraising professional, a marketing expert. So you're definitely going to want to come listen to this roundtable. You can sign up for free at nonprofitmythbusters.com. And be sure to bring a friend. Tell your friends and your board members about it so they can come listen in too. I will link to it in the show notes, nonprofitmythbusters.com. Back in episode 97, I interviewed Jordan Rayner, and you may remember me talking to him. He is a brilliant resource on growing organizational development, setting clear goals, keeping them organized, and how to grow a company. 
and I really enjoyed visiting with him. That's a fantastic episode. If you haven't heard that yet, go back and listen to it. If you have, (laughs) go listen to it again. I have read his book, Master of One, multiple times. It's now marked up, and I keep going back and rereading parts of it because there's just so much good stuff and a lot of good takeaways in there about doing our work with excellence. One of the examples he used in the book is from a nonprofit called New Story. And I had never heard of New Story before, but I was so intrigued because they build, they print, I should say, they print 3D homes in a fraction of the cost, a fraction of the time, but to help countries who have been devastated by storms, hurricanes, whatever, to recover much more quickly. And so I reached out to them, and today I am talking with Kristen Harrington. She is the Senior Manager of Partnerships for New Story. And what an enthusiastic, fantastic resource to share about their mission. There are so many takeaways here of their model, how they've grown, how they are strategically building partnerships to help expand their reach, And so we just have a great conversation. We talk about how navigating our goals and outcomes is so important and making sure those are clear and conveyed throughout the team. And we also talk about the importance of mentorship. Remember, I did a whole series on mentorship back around episode 27 or so that, I mean, so many guests that I've had, so many leaders I talk to say that having a mentor is such an important part of their growth. And I agree, that's huge. And so I want you to consider this conversation. And if you don't have a mentor right now, don't stress because some of my mentors have even been people that I never met in person. I've learned from books and podcasts and watching them in their journey. And maybe they didn't know me, but I knew them and I studied what they were doing and how they were doing it. So don't be discouraged, even if you don't have someone to meet with every week, the way a traditional mentor might seem. Anyway, back to today's guest, Kristen leads a team at New Story to maximize their global impact. And it's incredible because that's truly what they are working towards. She helps by cultivating new relationships with some of the world's most generous companies. And before this, Kristen helped lead the fundraising efforts of multi-million dollar campaigns for national organizations. And she even spent some time outside the nonprofit sector at ESPN. So she knows her stuff. She has a great foundation and brings an incredible skill set to the nonprofit space. And again, I want you to note that because a lot of people come to me and say, I've never worked in a nonprofit or I've never written a grant. Yeah, but you have done a lot of other stuff that probably is pretty valuable to nonprofit work. We just maybe need to connect a few dots and they're probably not as far apart as you think. So with that said, listen in to today's episode and I hope you find it an encouragement and a blessing and inspirational for the work that you're doing. Kristen, welcome. It's so great to chat with you again today. Tell us a random fact about yourself. Oh, Teresa, it's so great to be on here with you. Uh, I, you know, I struggled with what my random fact was going to be. I shared that with you a little bit before because um, I don't ever think of myself as a really 
uh, exciting person. But I was reminded that actually the nonprofit fundraising space was not something that I ever thought that I'd do. So it was really random how I got into the business of being a fundraiser for a nonprofit. Uh, I actually started my career with a sports broadcasting network, graduated with a degree in communications and broadcast journalism. So kind of fell into nonprofit fundraising, which I, as I'm meeting more folks in the industry, realize that's kind of how we all get here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty common that I hear that they just sort of came into it. But the fun part is hearing, okay, what did you do before that? So this is a new one that I hadn't heard before. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely. I volunteered a ton while I was with the network and decided that I enjoy doing this a whole lot more than I enjoyed standing uh, behind a camera. So it was, <laughs> it was a huge leap of faith um, and something that now almost eight years later, I haven't looked back at. It's been a really awesome adventure. That is so cool. You know, it, along those lines, do you see patterns or skills that very much transferred to the work you're doing now, even though you came from an entirely different background? Such an awesome question. And yes, there is a ton. Relationship building is probably the one that I'm seeing correlate the most. When you are working for a sports network and you're getting ready to interview a bunch of guys after they just finished a game, they're tired. They want to get back home to their families. What I've seen is that building relationships with those teams, with those organizations, with those people really help you to be successful. They'll give you that time because they know you, they understand that you have their best intention. Uh, Same thing that we've been able to see with donors. The more we spend time really getting to know them, the more we see them warm up to some bold ideas that we have or some ways that we can benefit them in the future. So relationship building, I think it's a tool that can really benefit you in any industry. So that's what I've seen. That's, yeah, such a good one. And I'm seeing more and more of that emphasized in fundraising training. I like to talk about it with grant writing. There's a person on the other side of everything. And it really is about building relationships. That's a huge key piece of growing a nonprofit. You're right. And being genuine. I feel like I've... Being on both sides of the spectrum, being a donor from... uh, I helped lead some of our... our, uh, CSR responsibilities as a, as a for-profit company. Um, and then now being on the nonprofit side, I've seen that being really genuine with the way that you ask, the way that you're able to provide the, the data to show that uh, the transparency behind a gift to be able to really build relationships, not because you want something from them all the time, but really you're invested in, in their well-being. It all translates to really great stuff. So yeah, sure. that's a fun question. I've never, I've never gotten that one before. I've never had okay. to really through, uh, through how both are similar. So yeah, that was fun. I like asking that because a lot of people that come to me interested in grant writing and they're like, I don't know if I have the skills. I've never done this before. And when I start digging in, it's like your skill set is incredible and it would be perfect for nonprofit work. They just don't realize how close that connection is for them and how relatable so many skills are that they're bringing in. They're not starting at ground zero. They're starting with all this really cool experience. And like you did, that's the same experience that is valuable to what you're doing now. It's just a little different context. It's so true. And just trying, right? Yeah. I, the thing that held me back for so long was that fear of 
just not giving it a shot, right? That I wasn't going to be as good at this as I was when I was writing and talking about sports. And so to be able to take that leap and to be able to use some of that creative energy that I had pent up, it worked. So yes, as you have more of these conversations, encourage, encourage those folks to take that leap because even if it, it doesn't work out, it's always worth a shot. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's about the bigger mission and how you can help grow and expand that and be a part of something way beyond ourselves. So that's the best part is it's, it's not about us or what we're lacking because we're never quite going to have all the skills. That's the part of trying something new, but we can learn and grow into it. You are so correct. Yep. I agree completely. Well, I am so excited to talk about new story today and just the background, the work you're doing, all these projects. So tell us a little bit about it just to give us some context of the journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with what I do for New Story. I am the senior manager of partnerships. So I build new business. I am able to cultivate uh, some new opportunities for our existing corporate donors. And I find ways to engage employees, to be able to engage foundations. We talked a lot about grant writing, to be able to bring people into our organization and give them a benefit outside of just making a charitable donation. And uh, what I love about New Story is we are radically different. We're an organization, our mission is to pioneer solutions to end global homelessness. And a lot of people ask, what exactly does that mean? And really simply put, we are passionate about finding ways to increase speed, to lower the cost, and to increase the quality of homes for families living in homelessness. And so we are just passionate about getting folks into safe, adequate shelter. And to give you a little bit more background on how New Story came about, our CEO and co-founder, Brett Hagler, went on a mission trip to Haiti in 2014. And Teresa, I don't know if you know much about the 2010 earthquakes in Haiti, mm-hmm. but the, but that natural disaster really devastated the entire country. Mm-hmm. And four years after those, uh, four years after um, those earthquakes and what we saw was that there was so much devastation that was left, even though some really major organizations promised a lot of things to the families that were left displaced. So when Brett was there on this mission trip um, with a group, he saw that the tarps and the tents that were holding up sticks and debris that these families called home had some of the largest organization's names slapped on the side of them. Um, And after hundreds of millions of dollars being raised, nothing had been done. So he said, I'm going to come back to the States. I'm going to figure out which organization I can partner with to take on such a huge problem. As he's doing more research, he's realizing that global homelessness didn't just stop in Haiti, right? And we see it in our backyards here in the States but it is a 1.6 billion person problem. So Brett said, I'm gonna find an organization, I'm gonna align with them. But he looked for things that some organizations didn't meet. He wanted the transparency. He wanted to say, if I'm gonna give my resources to this organization, I wanna know exactly what those dollars are going to. And I want a majority, if not all of my dollars going to the mission of that organization. He also really wanted to make sure that this was an organization that had increased technology. He knew that 1.6 billion people, was they were not going to be helped by traditional building techniques. 
So after a while of, of searching, he couldn't find an organization that did all of the above. So a new story was created. He brought on two uh, additional amazing co-founders, Ali Lafsey and Matthew Marshall, to take on the impact and technology piece of what New Story does. And then they were invited to the uh, Y Combinator program out of Silicon Valley. So some big names like Airbnb and DoorDash have gone through the program to increase their technology, to take their ideas even bigger. And that summer, we were able to build over 100 homes in Haiti. And wow. so it has been since then a wild ride of impact, amazingness. Uh, we partnered with the 3D printing company out of, out of Austin, Texas, Icon, where then we took on the world's first 3D printed community in Nacajuca, Mexico. We were able to pivot our planning during COVID and support families that were needing rental assistance. And now we are in four different countries. Over 37 communities have been impacted. Over 15,000 lives uh, have now changed trajectory because of the work that started after an idea that Brett had to be faster, to be stronger, to be bolder, and to use technology and innovation to really pioneer those next steps to take on one of the world's largest problems. That's incredible. And that's a huge <laughs> undertaking. But you know, the things that jump out at me thinking through this story and the process of it, he analyzed what was already there. He looked for existing answers and resources. And when he didn't find them, he looked at what are the gaps and how can we fill that gap? So he really took a thoughtful approach as opposed to just, oh, I see a problem that started a nonprofit. He stepped back and looked for others already doing the work and then filled in where they weren't and what was missing. So I think that's a really smart way to go about it. You're so correct. And that's kind of the way that we've developed the organization into thinking through all of our building projects is taking a step back and looking at the need. We provide a design uh, process called our lean participatory design. And what that means is we invite families to come to the table and talk about what they want in their homes and in their communities. Teresa, we can go through some of the, the longest running uh, home building organizations and everyone does incredible work. It's going to take every single organization coming together to take on a problem this large. Mm -hmm. What we've seen is that oftentimes after a family moves into a home, a few years later, they have some kids and they start thriving in those homes and they outgrow them because no one asked them from the beginning, what's your vision? What's the dream? How do you see your community being able to grow in the next five or 10, 15, 25 years with you and your family? So our LPD, Lean participatory design sessions, ask families, what do they need to thrive and to, and to grow? And from there, we've heard some really incredible things. You know, oftentimes we'll have the kids that say, I would love a, a swimming pool right in my living room, right? Those are the <laughs> ideas. You know, sure. Decide, um, and let, let those children dream and, and be excited about this new opportunity of their home. But we have heard some great feedback. Like, I would love to be able to build a second story on our homes after we have another another child or two. and Or I would love to be able to have some additional space in my backyard so I can have a garden to, to plant fresh vegetables and sell them to the community. We've even had families that have come back and said, my dream is to be an entrepreneur and start my business. And what is what would it look like to have a shop window in front of my home instead of a normal window that won't open and close like a shop window can? So from there, we're able to really 
change the trajectory of a family's life. Um, and from that, our data shows that our families are, are thriving. 63% average increase in personal income and sleep and health and wellness and, and education. It all is impacted when someone is finally living out of survival mode. Wow. That speaks to the importance of addressing those core basic needs, but then how it has a compounding effect into the other areas of their life and also to finding out what they need and talking to them, the importance of talking to your community and your clients and the people you're serving to get their input so you can co-create it with them is essentially what you're doing. If a family is going to have grandparents living with them and caring for them versus they have young kids and in different stages of life, that's going to impact the type of housing they need, the type of environment they want to be in. So all these things speak to that. It's so true. And it's, it's so much fun being able to see families years later say, by designing my home this way, or by giving me the opportunity to dream of what my home can look like five years from now, we see families saving up, getting ready to build that big addition to their home, building those, uh, those gardens, being able to, I I can't keep tomato plants alive, Teresa. So as (laughs) I'm seeing, as I'm seeing these families thrive, being able to feed their families, fresh vegetables and their communities too. We have realized that in hearing really, uh, detailed needs of our families, it's also having a impact on the rest of the community, right? If someone is able to grow fresh vegetables and make the best empanadas you've ever had, or uh, I'm thinking of a, of a wonderful woman in El Salvador, Ana Patricia, who makes the best ice cream ever and then sells it to the kids in the community. It's it's amazing unlocking that creativity and unlocking that entrepreneurship, uh, that entrepreneurial spirit of these families, and then being able to watch all of the other families around them have an impact. Um, it's just really, it's really awesome. Sometimes I have to, when I say all this out loud, I take a second and I'm, and I go, I, it's, it's the best. I have the best job. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's only after a few years. Imagine when those kids eating that ice cream and making those memories in childhood are adults and housing for themselves and like the memories and connections they'll have because of that. Those are seeds you planted early on in their lives. So just imagine 20 or 30 or 50 years from now, what the communities will be like because of this foundation. Correct. And it's really awesome being able to hear those children say, I want to be the next great architect, or I want to be able to start my own construction company, or I want to be able to be a doctor or a lawyer, or I want to be a teacher. And to something as simple as, as safe housing, a basic human need, as soon as that is unlocked for families, we give, it gives them the potential to dream and to grow and something that they've never been able to do before because every day they're thinking, how am I going to stay dry from all the rains that are happening in the areas that we built? How are, how is my family going to eat? Um, knowing that most of our money goes to keeping these makeshift shelters up and, um, and as safe as they possibly can. So it's just, I, I hope that everyone gets to have uh, the opportunity to check out what New Story does because it's still, you know, now working for the organization two years, it still blows my mind every time we complete a community and watch families move in. Uh, it's really, really incredible things. 
Yeah, we'll have to include links to some yes. of these pictures and videos and things that you're referring yes. to because it's incredible. I mean, just to see the magnitude of the impact it is, and that's only in a few locations. So as you expand, it's just going to explode from there. Yes, and and our brand team is some of the most talented individuals in the world. I will put all of my money on that. Uh, they. <laughs> They are the greatest group of humans that really capture our stories uh, well. So bring some tissues as you're watching mm. these things. Okay. Thanks we'll, for the warning. <laughs> we'll feel all the feels. Yeah. Oh, nice. You know, along these lines, I mean, this, it's been amazing progress in a relatively short time for a nonprofit. So I'm sure you have run into a lot of hurdles and challenges along the way. What are some of the big things that you all have had to navigate with this? A lot. There's been a lot that we've had to navigate. I think every organization over the last few years have had to make a lot of pivots to support both their donors and the mission of their organization. So for us, Starting from really nothing in 2015, we went through the Y Combinator program, like I said, built those 100 homes, and then it was off to the races. Now we are actually taking everything that we learned from some of the most brilliant people in the world. The mentors that we had during that time were incredible, and they really encouraged us to be bold and to think much bigger than building 100 homes over a summer. And so then we take we started to take on a lot of the innovation um, of building, which then comes with a lot of obstacles. When we really value transparency, and that's on both sides, we have a 100% model that says every single dollar that is donated to our organization goes to the mission of building homes for families because of a very generous group of donors that we call the builders, about 65 families that, that fund our operational expenses, research and development to let every other dollar go directly to building homes. So through that, we started our 3D printing project, right? So that started in 2017. We had this massive launch at South by Southwest where we unveiled our partnership with Icon, the first 3D printed home with Icon. It was beautiful and everyone was very excited about it. That that a video alone got 1 billion impressions. So wow. we were now on the map, right? So it's that we were in that teenage those teenage years of we've outgrown our genes. We are we wanted to really show everyone that we are one of the world's most innovative nonprofits and uh, COVID hit. And we also were building in a really rainy season in Nacajuca, Mexico. So what was happening was we were battling COVID. So it was hard to be able to get our teams on the ground in Mexico. We were also battling uh, the rainiest conditions, which kept building um, really difficult. We had to change the 3D printing machines um, data every so often as humidity would go up and down and rains would start and stop um, so that we were able to have a concrete that was the right the right uh, consistency to be able to build safe homes. Um, and so we took on, and we also built on a seismic zone. So we had to also cross our fingers and hope that an earthquake wasn't going to happen while we were there and these homes were, were being built. And we also have to make sure that these homes were going to withstand those earthquake and, and uh, natural disaster uh, proof um, concepts. So it was a lot. We ran into a lot of obstacles. Mm -hmm. uh, but we said, if we can do that here, 
then it's going to make every other building project that we have feel so much more attainable. Um, And we did it. We completed the community um, in 2021 and families are now there, moved in, thriving. Uh, And so it's... it's obstacles like that where we're able to say, hey, 3D printing is the coolest thing that we do. Everyone will say it's it's the thing that probably draws them to new story um, first. But we also know that it's just like the first iPhone, something that's going to take a ton of time to get to the place where we can say that it is going to be the number one building technique that new story is going to be able to focus on. So uh, it's been a, it's been a a wonderful ride to get here and we've learned a lot, but we also are, we're excited about the, the valleys, just like we're excited about the peaks of all of our building projects. So that's one, that's one obstacle that I would say is, was probably the one that, that most people were interested in hearing. Mm -hmm. Um, because it had a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's a big one. And there were probably days where you were like, oh, can we even do this? And why are we trying? And this is crazy. But yet you also had a big vision and you kept your eyes on that vision. Like, this is why we're doing that. And if you hadn't had that, you probably would have floundered and maybe given up or just said, well, let's wait and push this off till a different season or whatever. You wouldn't have pushed through, but you stuck to that vision and you hung on tight and you worked through and navigated the problems. And it helps to have the greatest partners in Icon because they are, they're world-class. So we were able to really work as efficiently and effectively as possible with mm-hmm. all of those roadblocks. So now looking back, it's it's one of our favorite um, favorite projects that we've done to date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something you can all be proud of as a team and then also the community there. It's pretty incredible. So what else do you have coming up? I know you have a lot of exciting projects yes. on the line. A ton. You know, we are always, our goal is to always be innovating, to be able to add innovations to every community that we are working in, and also to never stop building. We know that 1.6 billion people, it's going to take a long time to be able to impact that, that huge number. And that number is looking to double by in the next decade. Wow. So it's scary, right? We're looking at um, a problem that's just going to keep getting bigger. So we have a lot going on. We are going to be sharing news on our next 3D printed community. I can't give out too much, but just know that it is coming. And um, and we are going to continuously build with an emphasis in Latin America over, until 2030, um, while also finding some innovative ways to continuously build, like I was saying, something, Teresa, that we have been working through that actually was an obstacle of ours that we've turned into an opportunity to to build more homes for families is through financing. We saw through our lean participatory design process that I shared earlier that families actually wanted the dignity and empowerment of owning their homes outright. So our building model ensures that families will get uh, land deeds and and titles for the home, Um, but families culturally really wanted to be able to pay into those homes. And we saw that a home could be an asset for the very first time that can change a family's life, both by giving them safe, adequate shelter, but also being able to, for the financial financial institutions around their area to be seen as a contender for a normal financing model. Teresa, one of the biggest obstacles that we've seen for building homes is that families are 
are, they're working harder than we've ever seen. These are the hardest working people. And they are trying to access very traditional financing opportunities, just like you and I would if we want to go buy a house. But unfortunately, because of the conditions that they have been born into and have been living into and the fact that they can just never get ahead, financial institutions are turning them down for purchasing their own homes or to purchase their own land. So we've seen that if we are able to provide a home and work with the banks to say, hey, this family here has a home now, collateral, an asset for the very first time, they would like to be able to become a part of your system so that then a small amount of their home can be paid back almost into a community fund for the first time, they would be able to then have the sustainable cycle of impact by those dollars going into a community fund and out again to build more homes in the areas that they are living in. So this sustainable model ensures that we work on a smaller amount of philanthropy for the homes to be built. We are able to instill that dignity and empowerment for families. We're able to get them into the financial institutions that they have been trying to become a part of for years and years and some even decades. And we're able to continuously build because we will have consistent funding that's ready to be deployed. So we're not waiting on, on donors to, to generously come, come up forth and say that they want to build the next community. So we've seen this what was once an obstacle for families now become the greatest opportunity for that generational impact that our families are really craving. Mm-hmm. What a tremendous way to help pave the way. And back to what you said in the beginning about relationships, you're building relationships on both sides with the potential funders and donors, and also with the families to be the catalyst between the two and help pave the way. And that speaks a lot to the families work ethic and pride in ownership, that they want to be a part of that process. And so I think that's a really cool way to create an ecosystem that keeps growing and giving back and sustainable. That's a huge key. Exactly. And it's like I said before, it's amazing as families are starting to pay back a percentage of their homes, they're starting to add more, right? And and we're seeing that 63% increase in personal income is helping them save more to build bigger dreams. So we can come back years from now and there will be that second story on the home. There will be a huge carport because now they have a car for the very first time or they have a beautiful garden way better than mine. I <laughs> wish I could show everyone what my Mine looks terrible. Uh, so, but it really, we're unable to lock, unlock this, um, this generational creativity, this vision for what their families could be like. And I'm, I'm a new mom. And so I keep thinking through if I were in this situation and, and it was, it was me uh, living in these homes, I would want to be able to show my children that it is possible. We dreamt sure. it, we worked hard. We were able to uh, to unlock all this new opportunity for families for years and years and years to come. Um, mm-hmm. That I cannot wait, like you said, 15 years from now to be able to see what these communities look like. It's going to be beautiful. Right. And it is building that generational legacy. Instead of the cycle of poverty and just getting worse and worse, you're shifting that whole trajectory into a positive direction and building that because then if the families are stable with income, then 
their kids, they can have better education, better work opportunities, all the things. And so it's really helping just create that level of success that you're planting those seeds. And I feel like it's the harvest, it's going to be a long process and you're maybe seeing small steps along the way, but we have no idea what the end game is going to look like, but that's pretty incredible. It is a journey and every, all of those small steps are victories for oh, yeah. us because, you know, our goal is to take on this, this huge problem and to be able to do it, like you said, in a way that those families that were living in those conditions, living in survival mode will never have to be back um, in those conditions again. So right. that's, that's our goal. That's what we are striving to do every day. That's so cool. It's a huge goal, but I've also heard more and more people talking and Jordan Rayner was on the podcast recently yeah. and he talked about setting big goals. Like sometimes people say, you know, set 10 X your goals instead of down here, aim higher because then you'll hit much higher. There's less distraction, competition there. It makes you really think about, okay, what do we need to focus on and what is just extra distraction? So you guys have gotten super clear on that and super clear on how you need to get there. And I feel like these partnerships you're building in so many different avenues are a really big key to that because nonprofit work it can be very difficult. I mean, just keeping it real, it's hard. And it you really need that support network from so many different directions. And it sounds like that's been a huge key for you all too, is having and developing that along the way for yourselves and for the people you're serving. Absolutely. We, we are so blessed to be able to be a part of a program like Y Combinator because we really were introduced to the best of the best and technology innovation to scaling companies. Um, and to go back to something that you said, one of our core values and the culture of new story is something that's really important to each individual team member. I know it is incredibly important to our co-founders. And one of our core values is think big, break down and execute. So the, the major problem of global homelessness is then broken down into each one of our departments of how we can each take on something this big and then we're executing on those smaller steps to take on this problem really step by step. And partnerships are a big piece of that. We um, we really rely on some of the most generous corporations, individuals, uh, foundations to join us in taking on this massive, massive problem. And then what we're able to do with our transparency model is then show that corporation, that individual, their employees, uh, their networks, exactly where their dollars are going. So I think transparency is something that some organizations might miss, but we're really, uh, we're passionate about being able to say this is exactly how you were able to impact this group of families, this region, this community, this country, uh, this global problem, and then share that data. We're, we have an internal data collection tool that we call Felix. And what Felix is, is it's a surveying tool where we're able to show exactly how those families are being impacted in their communities. So it's the most fascinating thing to be able to get that data back and to share it uh, with our, our partners. And they go, oh, I didn't even realize sleep has anything to do with this. Of course, mm -hmm. a family being able to have more sleep is going to impact their day to day. It's going to impact their children's education. It's going to impact their health and wellness or, or their ability to get up and be able to go to their jobs. Uh, so all of that has been really amazing to be able to share and to make this problem 
feel feel attainable, feel like it's something that can be solved. I'm glad you brought that up about the data because that's something that I try to emphasize to nonprofits and to work with them as we're working towards grant applications. You need to already be defining and collecting that data along the way. Don't wait till a grant's due and then decide, oh, what do we need to collect? How do we get that? What do we, what numbers do we have on hand? No, start that way ahead so you can be measuring your progress and your impact. And that also helps you understand what's working and what's not, and where do we need to maybe shift or redefine some things to better serve and to be more accurate in the goals and what's realistic for the work we're doing. Absolutely. I like to say dollars that are given, that are just given, is just a donation. But dollars that are given with reporting and data to support it, that's a partnership. Mm. That's an investment. And great organizations, and I like to think B-Story is an incredible organization. I might be a little biased, but I believe it's my core, is that we are, it's a mutual investment. It's It's a donor or a partner being able to say, I'm going to support the work that you're doing. And in turn, I get to then see exactly what these dollars are impacting to be able to, to understand and then share because to be able to, to put this on their social media or to be able to share this at their next uh, get together with their friends and their family, that's how additional impact is made is people going, oh, I didn't even know about new story. I didn't even know this problem was this big. Right. With everything going on in our lives. Sometimes we don't stop and think about how others are, are living, right? Mm-hmm. What's, what are these families in Mexico, Salvador uh, doing right now as we're having this conversation? There's still millions of people that are fixing their tarp for tonight to see, to make sure that they're not going to be sitting in a foot of water. They're finding a way to feed their children. They're looking at uh, an opportunity to make additional income for tomorrow so that they can buy more resources to fix their makeshift shelters. So some people just don't realize how big this problem actually is. So we're able to then share exactly how those dollars have impacted these families. And it just, it, you can feel the impact. It makes it so tangible. And then in addition, for some of our, our largest donors, our largest partners, we invite them to the communities to see up close and personal how they've been able to change families' lives. And that is something that is really special. One for our families, because they're proud to show off their homes. They show their artwork from their kids that are now on their walls and on their refrigerator. They're able to show off their gardens. They're able to show off the front door that they painted in their favorite color. Um, and they always uh, invite us in for food. I It's oh. it's amazing to be able to share a meal with these families because then it, it's, to them, that's their dream to be able to host <laughs> To be able to, to have a place that they're so comfortable that they want to invite you in mm-hmm. and show off what they've been able to build. And then for our donors, it's incredible because they get to see it and they it becomes even more real. Um, and that is what um, ha- that's generational impact on both sides, right? It's right. Impact for family, true. and then it's general in, a generational impact for our donors and our partners to be so able true. To, to come alongside us and really take on. Uh, this fight. That's a great point. And I'm really glad you gave us some tangible examples of transparency and what that can look like. Because I think that's a word that sometimes is thrown out there of, oh, we need transparency. We need to be transparent. But how do you do that in practice? And so those are some great ways to go about it. Do you all have certain standards or 
I guess, uh, timelines for how you define those transparency deliverables? Yeah, we do. And it always changes. Another piece of transparency is also delivering the bad news. So <laughs> this can yes. delayed or we've had the rainiest season ever in Nakahuka and we're going to have to give it a few more weeks to be able to bring these huge 3D printers into the, into the uh, community. So that's a piece of transparency that we also share. But for the metrics around our, our tool Felix is we'll gather uh, survey data from our families before they move in. So this is more of a who are you and what are the dreams and, and how can we best support you? Then we'll we survey our families once they move into the homes. How are you liking your home? What could be better? What things are you missing? Uh, what additional parts of the community are you looking forward to? And then every year we're able to meet with those same families, use those surveying tools to make sure those families are still loving the place that they're living. Um, and what's really important about what we do is we never come into a community and say, we have all the answers. We figured it out. We'll deliver you a beautiful home. You live there and we'll do everything else. We say, we want to hear how we can make communities better. We also want to empower you and your family to make your own impact, to be able to build your homes the way that you want them to be. Um, and so that has been really amazing culturally. Just watch these families thrive. And we learn a lot because it's culturally we're, we're incredibly different. So we mm -hmm. learn a lot about what the needs are in the communities that we build that we haven't even thought about. And that happens just by watching and and celebrating as families are growing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that listening piece is so important. Being willing to listen to what they have to say and really understand what they need. And I'm glad that you mentioned that also. I love that you are involving the people in both sides of that and inviting the donors to be a part of it and to see what's happening. Oh, and also with grant applications, people think, oh no, we want them to think everything's good. We're afraid to tell them if anything's wrong. And I'm trying to instill like grant funders know you're not perfect and that's why they want to help fund you, but you have to be upfront with it and you have to be transparent about what's happening, the good and the bad so that they can come and be a part of the solution. Absolutely. Some of the greatest partnerships I have started from me saying we need help. Mm -hmm. We need to be able to do this, or we need to be able to solve this problem, or we need funding to support this. And those partners were excited to take on that obstacle with us. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that happen more and more and more. Our, our partnerships are, it, it almost, it makes it feel like it's not just, like I said, not just the donation, it's a partnership and they're actually using their brains to help us solve this huge problem, Right. right. Like I said, it's going to take a ton of the smartest, greatest minds, the the best of the best in all of these industries to take on this problem. And we know that. We understand that it's not just going to be a new story that is going to be a part of, of solving global homelessness. Well, that's fantastic. And it sounds like you are absolutely on the right track with pulling in resources and partners and just laying a really incredibly solid groundwork for the work you're doing. So I'm excited to see how this unfolds. Well, as before we wrap up, I would love for you to share if there has been a resource that has been meaningful to you in your journey in particular. 
Yeah, that's an incredible question. You know, I have been able to read some incredible leadership books and and uh, have read articles about how uh, the nonprofit sector is always changing. But what has impacted me the most is actually mentorship. Mm-hmm. I am someone that believes having a personal board of directors is really important. We see that in all nonprofits, our board of directors, our advisory boards lead us to make great decisions, to bounce ideas off of. And I truly believe that everyone should have a little mini board for themselves. So um, some of my mentors, one I'm thinking about in particular, I'll give him a shout out, Kirk Brown. Um, He's the chief development officer, uh, leads an amazing organization called the Ron Clark Academy. He's someone that I'm always bouncing ideas off of and learning from his leadership. And some people, I think sometimes when you're in the nonprofit sector, you think I can't become buddies with other nonprofits because it's it's a little too uh, uh, competitive and I don't want to give away any ideas, but we need to be able to come together to take on the biggest problems. And I've seen that being able to work with some of the most brilliant minds in the nonprofit space has helped me become a better nonprofit leader, to become a better person, to become a a better strategist and innovator myself. Um, So I encourage anyone that is listening that's saying, I'm stuck on something. I need to figure out how to to develop a beautiful grant for someone to, to be able to take a look at. I'm applying to some crazy grants, right? I want to be able to 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 uh, be a step above everyone else. Or if you're a nonprofit leader, going, I'm underfunded this year, and I just need to figure out a way to get to that next quarter so that we can continue our mission forward. Ask the people that are in it with you, and that has unlocked so much potential. Great uh, opportunity for referrals. When someone doesn't work for, uh, when a, a partnership prospect doesn't work for me and says, I love uh, our, our company is, it really values education. The first call I make is to Kirk to, to be able to say, hey, this is not going to work for us, but I, I really think this can benefit you. Um, so I think that's important. Mentorship is, is my number one. I couldn't agree more. That's so important. And I'm seeing that more and more as I grow and as I meet more people in the space. And I've really shifted instead of, like you said, being like, oh, no, I better not say anything to be more like, hey, we're all in this together. We can go much further if we collaborate, share ideas, support each other, even just cheering each other on. It's so much different from being guarded and protective and, oh, I better not talk to anyone about this. But I know there's others. And that's why I started the podcast. So people can hear like, hey, we're in the trenches and we get it. And we're dealing with these struggles. Here's what's worked. Here's what hasn't. And it becomes, in a sense, a type of mentorship. So that's amazing. And what a resource this is too. You know, I'm sure as as folks are coming on board and, and sharing uh, little nuggets of information, if there's ever if there's something that I've said during this time that someone says, I need to hear more about that, reach out to me. I want to be able to answer questions. I oftentimes will get emails from folks because New Story is such an innovative organization. Because they'll say, Hey, my organization might be a little archaic, and we want to we want to shake things up a little bit. Would you be able to help me figure out how to become a more innovative nonprofit or to be able to take on more innovative projects? I am happy to do so. So I think also being able to be bold, not just in what you're asking from your donors or the applications that you're making to these great foundations, but to also the people that are in it with you to say, I want to learn more about what you said. 
um, that's a tool that that all of us have access to. So my my LinkedIn, the DMs on all of my social accounts, <laughs> my email is always open for anyone <laughs> that wants to chat. I love that. And if I were a listener, I would be <laughs> jumping on this opportunity. So <laughs> you may be slammed with messages, but that's an amazing and generous offer. So I love seeing the collaboration because we all have such different perspectives and experiences that we bring to the table. And so that's awesome to share those. And I did a series even on the podcast on mentoring and the importance of having those mentors. And some of mine have been people I've worked with directly. And sometimes they were mentors from afar, like a podcaster or an author that maybe I never even met, but in a sense, they became my mentor for a season of something I was trying to learn or grow and do more of. And so it's it, they don't always look like the exact box I used to think of. Like it has to be this person we meet once a week for coffee and it doesn't have to be at all like that. It can be totally outside the box. My personal board of directors is, they're very unique. And actually there's uh, one of my colleagues, Danielle, who's on my team. She's the person that's always telling me, Hey, you can do this a little bit better, right? Or, or Mm. here's my feedback for the way that you said that, or the way that you presented this. So you also need those people that give you that pot, that feedback that in, it might feel a little tough to take in the beginning, but it becomes the most positive way for you to grow. So mentorship can look like a lot of different things. Um, and so, yeah, if anyone's also struggling and figuring out who their personal board of directors is and what that looks like, I'm always happy to talk about that as well. I love that concept. And yeah, sometimes it is a little bit like, ouch, but yet you also know, <laughs> like I needed to hear that and they're absolutely right. I need to refine and polish this or it's the people that you know, they love you and you respect them and you really respect their input, whether or not it's what you want to hear. It's not stroking your ego. It's actually helping refine and make you better. So I love that. The biggest issues in the world feel really big when you go at them by yourself. Yes. Go at them with a group of people that you trust, that you know that you can learn from and that can grow you as a person, they feel a lot smaller. So it has it the only way to go about some of these these problems is to never go at them alone. Totally agree. So true. So tell us how can people connect with you to reach out and learn more and where can they find you? Please. Yeah. So come find me on LinkedIn, Kristen Ryan Harrington, uh, and I'll make sure that I have all of my socials linked as well if we can. And then um, my email is Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N at newstorycharity.org. So if there's ever a time that you want to hear more information or get connected and you can't find me on LinkedIn, send me an email. I'm always in there. Awesome. Thank you for your generosity. And I will post all of that in the notes. So is there anything going on that you want to share about with New Story? Anything upcoming? Yeah. So we have recently launched our campaign fundraising opportunities. So if you are listening and you want to get involved in New Story on a a scale that might feel really attainable to take on this global issue, our campaigns are the way to do it. So if you head over to www.newstorycharity.org, you find the partnerships tab, it'll direct you to ways to get involved. So we've been able to have some really amazing campaign fundraisers come on board, uh, birthdays, anniversaries. If you just want to get a group of friends together to make your own impact, 
we provide everything for you and we make it a whole lot of fun. So you can find me over there as well. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for sharing your wealth of information and encouragement. This has been an incredible story to hear about and just so much good you're doing. So keep up the good work. Thank you, Teresa. This was so fun. I hope we get to do this again soon. Yes, we will. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. All right. I would love to hear from you. What was your biggest takeaway from this conversation? I hope you found Kristen's story inspiring and encouraging of the work they're doing and how they are really building resources to tackle a big problem. They're not moving forward in fear. They're not saying, oh, that's really too big. We shouldn't try that. They are looking at it head on and saying, how can we solve this? And they are making big moves and bold moves and commitments towards it. They're also figuring it out as they go. They don't have all the answers. None of us do. And a lot of us are just trying to figure out and we're all a work in progress. That's okay. So figure out what's your next right step in the work you're doing. That might be looking for a partnership to help you expand your work. It might be learning, something like grant writing, for example. It might just be reaching out and talking to a nonprofit to learn about their work and what they're up to. What is your next right step? I would love to hear from you. Please come share with me either on LinkedIn or on my website contact form. You can email me. And I read all of those myself and I try to respond to every one that I get because I love hearing from you and the work you're doing and I love helping you find resources to encourage you and keep you moving forward. Don't forget, sign up for the Nonprofit Mythbusters roundtable so that you can come listen in on that conversation. And if you're there live, you'll have the chance to ask some questions as well. You can pop them in the chat and we will answer as many live questions as we can during that session. So sign up at nonprofitmythbusters.com and bring a friend so that we can help spread the word. All right, friends. Have a great week and go out there and do something this week to change your world.